0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Restoring Nature's Tapestry, a podcast series from CityWire in association with Federated Hermes. My name is Richard Lander of CityWire and our discussion today is about the fashion industry and the heavy role it plays in adding to biodiversity loss. No matter whether we buy fast fashion or designer labels, supply chains in the sector are directly linked to the destruction of large natural environments, soil degradation and contamination. Cotton, for example, gets a good press as a natural fabric, but it really does require more insecticide than any other crop. And then, of course, the fabrics we wear have to be dyed and treated, and that's the source of about a quarter of industrial water pollution around the world. So to help me look at how fashion companies are harming diversity and what can be done about it, I'm joined by two experts on the subject. With me in the CityWire studio... It's Lisa Lang of EOS, the engagement arm of Federated Hermes. And dialing in remotely, we have Josie Wexler of Ethical Consumer, an organization which, as its name implies, helps people make informed ethical choices about the goods and the services they consume. So welcome to you both. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Josie, I'm going to start with you. Let's uh, just go beyond what I said in in the introduction. What impact does the fashion industry have on biodiversity?
1: Well, it it has quite a large one, um, partly because uh, the amount of land that the growing the fibre takes up, which is particularly concentrated more in the natural fibres really, and overwhelmingly, they're overwhelmingly heavy, for example, wool, uh, but also cotton. And uh, the pollution that is results, which is that's often more associated with synthetic fibers. So there are trade-offs here. Um, and also there is the, the interlink with climate change because uh, climate change is a huge threat to biodiversity. So the climate impact of uh, the fashion industry also has a sort of indirect effect on biodiversity as well. Um, there is no agreement at the moment on how much of the uh, world's climate, uh, carbon emissions that clothing is responsible for, you get these huge divergence in diver- uh, huge divergence in figures between about two to about ten percent. I think ten percent is it can't be right. That's just too high. Um, so uh, it's probably more at the bottom end of that. Um, uh, but it's a significant contributor that makes makes it basically about the same size as electron- right. the electronics. Right. Right.
0: Okay. That's. Uh- that's good. Good of you to scale it for us. Uh, is it all about fast fashion, or does upmarket fashion have have a s- similar uh, role in this? Uh,
1: yeah, no. It's just about the industry in general, and uh, a lot of the time, upmarket um, uh, fashion can be as more damaging. I mean, for example, I think we're going to talk about fur, but um, the fur industry is it's astonishingly. Uh, uh, damaging both on, on all environmental right. metrics okay.
0: really. Uh, I mean Lisa let's bring you in here you, you deal with these companies how, uh, how do they respond when you challenge them and say look can we talk about this how can we reduce the damage that you're doing to the earth?
2: I think the response is very varied. Um, so I have some companies that I talk to on behalf of our clients that have a, quite a good understanding how important it is to manage their impacts on the environment. And I have some companies uh, that are more new to the game, especially in outside of Europe. And when it comes to biodiversity, it's still a little bit of a new topic. I think we have a very mature discussion with companies around climate and around uh, carbon emissions. A lot of companies have set carbon emissions reduction targets. And I think that's also what highlights how biodiversity is maybe a little bit more of a complex issue, because it's much more difficult to measure and much more difficult to understand what your impacts are. So I think, What we're starting to see is companies trying to consider what their impacts and also their dependencies on biodiversity is. And then from that, maybe we can discuss that in more detail. But I think a lot of discussions and approaches from companies are still very much in their infancy.
0: Do you think fashion companies uh, are more concerned with the social aspects of ESG, that there's been a lot of publicity about let's face it, terrible conditions in factories in the developing world. Uh, is Is that taking a priority for them trying to fix that problem? And then this is a lesser problem at the moment, perhaps.
2: I wouldn't say a lesser problem. I would say a less developed approach. I think companies are very aware that Uh, they need to have good oversight of their supply chains to consider um, the impacts on human rights. That is a discussion we've had with companies for a long time already. So that is a very mature discussion. We know what best practice looks like. When it comes to biodiversity, I think there's generally an understanding that there is increased interest from different stakeholders, including investors. But there is much less of an established best practice that we can hold companies... um, up against.
0: Okay, thanks. Uh, J- Josie, back to you. Uh, you. You mentioned just a few minutes ago you talked about fur and leather uh, and the effect that they have on the environment. Two questions here. Is that a different, is that a different quantum from uh, cotton and synthetic fibres in terms of the damage it does to, to biodiversity?
1: Well, um, with both of them, there's a sort of slight trade-off because, like, for example, leather lasts a long time. So uh, um, um, leather tends to have quite heavy impacts on on both the climate and on pollution because the tanning process is is generally pretty polluting. But on the other hand, you do have to bear in mind that some of the faux leathers might last, if they last half the amount of time and the... uh, pollution and uh, it affects a half as much that cancels it, itself out so it's not always completely clear but leather and certainly fur has a very heavy uh, pollution impact.
0: Right and, and Lisa when you talk to, to the companies that uh, for the investors that you're representing uh, where, where are they in terms of finding alternative fabrics uh, that might be less environmentally damaging than, than, than some of the ones we, we've mentioned so far?
2: I think there's a lot of innovation in the space. I think the question is only for me how scalable those solutions are and how fast that scalability is to really address the negative impacts. I think what really changes or like shifts the industry is if we look at the things that are most used and reduce the impacts of the, of, of those fibres. So for instance, cotton, we've discussed, yes, it is very highly water intensive. It can lead to soil degradation, pesticide use. So it has a lot of impacts, but it is... The most, uh, one of the most commonly used materials. So I think uh, companies should really look at how to make the production of cotton um, more sustainable. Looking into regenerative agricultural practices, and then also looking at the durability. Um, of clothes, I think um, Josie mentioned this trade-off. So I think if you have clothes, if you have clothes, but people can wear them longer, there is a second-hand market. Overall, the impacts will be lower, and of course, also look at recyclability.
0: You s- you talked about uh, some interesting uh, companies on on the on the cutting edge of, of getting new fabrics going. How does that compare? Uh, obviously, another side of uh, uh, dye. Dive- biodiversity is the foods we eat and you know there's, there's people are making great breakthroughs in in lab-grown chicken and, and other meat substitutes. Are we seeing the same progress here or is it slower or faster?
2: It's difficult to compare. Um, I, I can share that I'm aware that a lot of large Apple companies are heavily investing in that space but how fast um, that will take off is to be seen. I think from my personal experience with alternative meats, that has already taken off um, quite a lot. So I think it's maybe lagging a little bit behind, but I think that's my my personal perception rather right. than a very informed opinion of the entire uh, kind of alternative uh, meats market.
0: And these, these companies are, are serious about this? It's not just sort of Greenwashing, I mean, I'm sure every day your job is involved with sorting out the greenwashers from the people making genuine efforts.
2: I think, as I said, that is to be seen. I think um, a lot of companies are saying the right things, but it is us that have to hold them to account over the next two, three years if there's actually scalable solutions.
0: Right, and of course you're doing this for investors. I mean, EOS works for investors, Dialogues with the companies and, and reports back to them. On the other side, are the investors encouraging you more to to hold the, to hold these companies account in in terms of biodiversity?
2: I think so. Um, we have a very active client base of I think around sixty large institutional investors now um, that we also meet on a regular basis at at various events. I think we have. A Clyde Advisory Council, where we have a very active in- exchange. Um, and I've presented to our clients around the Aperol sector and environmental inputs before. I got very interesting questions. They're very engaged. I think the apparel sector overall is a sector that has a lot of the priority themes for our clients, which is climate, uh, human rights, and biodiversity is so linked to climate that I think that is definitely of great interest for them.
0: So you're not going to run out of things to uh, to question them about, I can yeah, see. Yeah, I'm not worried. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm definitely not worried.
0: Josie, coming back to you, uh, we've uh, one thing that occurred to me, based out of personal experiences, through lockdown, did we change our attitudes to fast fashion? Uh, I think quite a lot of us operated from home. Probably some of us didn't get out of our pajamas for most of the day. You know, we found you know, uh, this sort of typical person in the city did not have to have five clean shirts every week, Uh, probably needed one for the one day that they did come in. Have our attitudes changed to, to fast fashion in terms of do we need so much stuff in our wardrobes?
1: Um, To be honest, the last figures that I've seen suggested that the quantity bought is still going up. The secondhand market as well is very unhealthy in that there's a huge excess of clothes that could be sold secondhand that are not. Most clothing in secondhand shops doesn't sell. Um, And it either gets dumped or it gets dumped on poor countries who often don't like it because it uh, can undermine their sort of baby clothing industries um so uh yeah there's on tap potential there but yeah I think well, unfortunately we're going on buying oh. more
0: and more <laughs> well not me personally but that's uh <laughs> that's a sample size of one so we won't take any conclusions from that let's just before we wrap up may, let's... I, may,
2: may I add to this maybe yeah come I on. think Josie that's a really interesting point I agree with you all the predictions are just we're buying more and more stuff questionable if we really need that but i think um what i wanted to share is that i also had some discussions with um platforms that um sell clothes from different brands and they're really looking at what the consumers are are searching for on the website and i do think there is an uptake of filtering um with articles that have some more sustainable aspects, be that recycled materials, be that organic cotton. So I think there is maybe a little bit more interest from the consumer to understand the sustainability of the clothes. To what extent that is um, that will continue and to what extent that actually shifts the market, I think is, is still to be seen as well.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, we are entering a very difficult uh, period of uh for the economy uh, do you think that will have an effect that people will buy fewer clothes they'll make efforts to recycle more
1: uh, yeah maybe um it, i mean people might start buying more secondhand and there is a lot of potential here like i think rap found that 75 uh, percent of people had disposed of clothing just because it no longer fit or they didn't like it anymore or they didn't need it anymore not that there was anything wrong with it so um uh, this was 75 uh, percent of people throwing clothes away so there's a lot of potential to extend the lifespan of clothes
0: would you agree with that lisa that companies maybe companies could do more to to encourage people to recycle their clothes or i mean it's quite a question to ask because you know who's going to say do you want to, do you want to reduce your sales next year by encouraging uh the second-hand market
2: well i think the key is can they profit from these alternative business models themselves and i do think there is um thinking around that around having a product offering where maybe clothes could be resold as part of of the uh the offering that they have already um i think those are in my opinion, currently pilot projects. I think it's good that there is a lot of experimentation in that area, and I hope some of these will, will be successful.
0: Great. Well, on that slightly optimistic note, <laughs> uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Lisa Lang of EOS and Josie Wexler of Ethical Consumer uh, for joining us today. And uh, I think it's been a really interesting discussion. It's It's a serious problem. Uh, Let's hope that uh, some solutions emerge that will uh, ameliorate things. Uh, And that's it from us. Thank you. And thank you for listening.